is actually a word that stands for prayer at the heart. And uh, if you picked up a relevant news or if you pick up one later, you'll notice that there's actually uh, quite a bit of your relevant news this month that has information about what you just watched. And it is an, it's, it's a tremendous opportunity for us to link arms with believers across Northeast Ohio. Uh, as you heard the one gentleman say, this is a pilot program here beginning in Northeast Ohio in hopes that it spreads across this nation to begin a spiritual awakening. And um, about two weeks ago, I went to a pastor's event at Grace Church in Middleburg Heights, and there were probably about, I don't know, probably three or 400 of us there, leaders from across the Northeast Ohio area, and uh, just being encouraged to be a part of this. Now, there's information actually in Relevant News. There's also a website that you can go to. Um, out in the lobby, there are a limited amount of these, but there are some cards and these cards actually have a QR code that you can scan and it takes you directly to the website and that gives you all the information that you wanna know about what PATH is, their mission, their vision, um, and what this 40 days is all about beginning on May 8th. And uh, actually, this week is National Day of Prayer, right? I don't know if you remember that or not, but it is. And um, they have an event actually taking place and I wanna make you aware of this. On Thursday evening, May, oh, I'm sorry, it is in the morning, the 10 o'clock in the morning on Thursday, there's another event in the evening, that's what messed me up there, Thursday, May 4th, at 10 a.m. at Grace Church, there's a group of Korean students that are coming to America, they feel led to come and pray for us. Now, here's the interesting thing about these students. These students are the children, and in some cases, the grandchildren of their parents or grandparents who were led to the Lord through a Billy Graham crusade back when Billy Graham went to Korea and held his first crusade in Korea. Talk about paying it forward. That is tremendous. So many of these students will be at this prayer event taking place at 10 o'clock at Grace Church. If you've ever been to Grace Church before, you know that they have more than enough room uh, to host a huge crowd there. And so if you want to be a part of that, that is 10 o'clock on Thursday. And then there are events throughout the day. Um, there is actually going to be a prayer taking place at uh, the Cleveland City Hall Rotunda from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And then there's going to be another prayer opportunity between 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock. And so all this information is available. And um, let me give you a website here. I don't have this on the screen, but it is... UIC Ministries, UIC, the letter U, the letter I, Ministries, 2017 at gmail.com, and you can, you can actually go there and find out information. That's actually not a website, is it? I just gave you an email address, but if you have questions and want to, want to check things out, you can go to that. Um, so I want to make you aware of that, and even if you can't do anything this Thursday, I get it, it's late notice. Um, and really it's late notice with this event because just two weeks ago was the first I heard about it. But um, there are cards out there. And again, you can pick up one of those cards at the Get Information Center. Um, and um, also you can scan, even if you don't want to take the card with you, you can just scan the code on the card and have the website and it brings up all the information for you there. We want to be a part of this. And the, the exciting thing is, is they're going to have um, ministry tents, tents of meeting as they're calling them, across Northeast Ohio for experiencing the presence of God. And there will be worship times, there will be prayer times, there will even be some, some um, messages that are shared and ministry times that take place. We will have two tents in our local area here uh, among, I think, probably another 10 tents throughout the entire Cleveland metropolitan area. So two tents in our area. There's going to be one at Beyond the Walls. There's going to be one at Cathedral of Praise where Pastor Payne is the pastor there. Um, so these are some opportunities for us to engage and again, lock arms with believers across this region and make a difference in Northeast Ohio. So pray about that. Pray about getting involved in it. Uh, more information will come as we get more information, but I just want to bring it to your attention. We don't want to miss an opportunity to be a part of a God thing. Right, church? Amen. So let's, 
Let's do something about that as we engage, as we get involved. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm gonna put these back here. I've got too many papers on my stand up here. So I'm gonna declutter real quick here and, and have only what I need up here for the moment. And I need this, and I need this. <laughs> Pastor Sandra, it's good to see you. I wasn't sure if you were here today. I know you were supposed to be here. But everybody say hi to Pastor Sandra. Wave at us, Pastor Sandra. Pastor Sandra's passing through. She's on her way to her son's house in the Chicago area and passing through. And I don't know, you're coming next week too, right? Oh, well, we might have to have you share a little testimony next week or something. So brace yourself for that. No, I'm just <laughs> But I have the weapon of choice in my hands today. We've been talking about Arrow Striker and the series Arrow Striker. And I hope you're learning something about a very obscure passage of scripture. A passage of scripture found in 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 14 through 19. And I won't recite the entire passage today, but I do want to touch on it because we've been learning about how we can become an arrow striker, right? And from this passage of scripture taken from the book by Jonathan Hardy, Arrow Striker. And if you're interested in reading his book, it's available online. You can download it or you can order it. I think it's available through Amazon and some other resources. But um, pick up the book if you're a reader. But a uh, great book that talks about us being arrow strikers. And we need to be arrow strikers in our day. In other words, we need to be taking advantage of the opportunities that present themselves to us as the church. Amen? Amen? Now, this obscure passage of scripture in 2 Kings chapter 13, we know talks about King Jehoash and how King Jehoash was desperate for some answers because he knew that Elisha the prophet was in the process of dying. He had leaned very heavily on Elisha the prophet to give instruction and advice, spiritual advice spiritual counsel on how they could win and defeat the enemy uh, and the direction that they needed to go, so on and so forth. And so we know from this passage of scripture that Elisha told the king to pick up a bow and arrow and he, he actually got out of his deathbed, went over, placed his hands on the king's hands and they shot the first arrow together out the east window, right? But then the king... It was up to the king to shoot the rest of the arrows as Elisha went back to his deathbed and laid back down. And uh, what happened after that? A half-hearted, uncommitted king didn't do what he was supposed to do. Now, some of us may go, well, hold on. That's a little bit unfair. How can we hold him responsible to do what he wasn't told to do? You got an argument there. But I think the issue was not so much that he wasn't told specifics, it was a matter of the heart, right? How many of you know it comes down to that? It's really about what's going on in here, is it not? Is that true? Yes, absolutely. That was true of the king that day as well. Because he was not all in, because he was half-hearted, he struck the ground three times with three arrows instead of using all of his arrows. And again, one thing that I've referenced is the study that I've done. And I talked to this, I talked to a theologian, who I refer to as a theologian this week, who is at least a regional theologian, let me say it that way, a pastor who's retired and has a lot of knowledge about things like this. And he's like, so where are you getting that from? I said, well, interestingly enough, I heard a message by uh, Charles Spurgeon himself, and he was talking about striking the ground was more than just simply doing this, but it was literally shooting the arrows out in an open field, and those arrows, as they were shot, were striking the ground as a declaration of victory. And that's faith. That takes faith to do that, right? And so, in essence, we also see that King Jehoash didn't have enough faith in the God that Elisha was encouraging him to follow, right? And so he rebuked him for not demonstrating that faith and shooting all those arrows and striking the ground. He didn't empty his quiver, in other words. And it was this half-hearted commitment or the fact that he lacked initiative that caused Israel really 
caused them many, many wins, many victories. And they only got three victories as opposed to completely annihilating once and for all one of their arch enemies. So week one, we talked about becoming an arrow striker and what it means to be an arrow striker. Then last week, the title of the message was the opportunity in front of us. And the opportunities that present themselves to us, we need to seize those opportunities, right? We need to seize them. We need to take advantage of them. And if you'll remember, I shared with you that the Latin word for opportunity is the word that literally refers to the air that is caught in the sails of a boat that is pushed into harbor. In other words, it's about us lining ourselves up Lining ourselves up and being blown by the Spirit, being advanced by the Spirit, by the wind of the Spirit, in order for us to line ourselves up with God's plan for us and to seize the opportunities that present themselves before us. And so today, the title of the message is The Faith That Changes Everything. The Faith That Changes Everything. Look at your neighbor and say the word faith. Do it again. Some I mean, of you still don't believe the word you just heard. One more time. Faith. Sometimes it takes three times to get it, right? Three times to get it. We talk about faith, and faith is an important word in our spiritual journey. Faith is actually referenced in the NIV version. I'm not sure about like the King James or New King James or other translations, but in the NIV, it's referenced 235 times. That's a lot of times for one word to be used. I think the Lord is trying to communicate something to us. Jesus himself talked a lot, a lot about faith, didn't he? Matter of fact, we have in the old King James language these words, O ye of little faith. And you know, there's just a ring to that in the old King James. Oh, ye of a little faith. Now, how many of you have heard that before? I mean, I'm, I'm talking from the Lord. Like the Lord has said to you, oh, Randy, you of little faith. I don't, I don't think he's coming down on us like, hey, you should be getting this by now. I think it's more of like, hey, come on, come on. Hey, haven't I proven myself to you? Come on, you can believe me for anything. I am a God who is trustworthy. I'm a God who will deliver on my word. I think that's the kind of faith that we need to exercise. That's the kind of faith that we need to have, isn't it, church? How many of you, you got in your car today and you set and you put the key in the ignition, or better yet, because we have a lot of cars, you don't even need a key anymore, right? How many of you know it takes faith to push that button and actually believe that that car is going to start for you. How many of you have had it happen to where it didn't start for you? So there, it's not always a guarantee that it's going to start, right? Thank God, thank, thank Charles Kettering for the starter because we no longer have to get out front and go like this to start a car, right? But we have a lot of faith that when we turn that key or when we push that button that the car is going to start. How about when you use your debit card? Lord, I think there's money in here. I hope there's enough money in here, but I'm not sure that this is gonna even work. I know there's money in there, but I'm still not sure. How many of you have had that happen before where you knew there was money in the bank, but there's something wrong with your car and it doesn't work? I mean, that is a step of faith to even use your debit card. Some of us, it's even a greater step of faith, right? Hello? Or a credit card. I don't know how much limit I have on this thing. A step of faith. There's steps of faith that we take day in and day out all day long, right? We put a lot of confidence on our alarm clocks, don't we? I mean, you put faith in my alarm clock that this old tired guy was gonna get out of bed this morning and actually have something to deliver to you, something to feed the, the congregation, right? It takes faith to do everything that we do in life. But spiritually speaking, it's all about faith. The economy of our spiritual journey is faith. It's all rooted and grounded in faith. We wouldn't operate in this world without some degree of faith, and that couldn't be even more true 
area of our spiritual life. So here's the big idea. Here's what I want you to get. Maybe you want to snap a picture of this real quick. The exercise of our faith radically changes God's involvement in our lives. Agree? Before I continue on, do you agree with that much? It means that God engages in our lives when we exercise our faith. The exercise of our faith radically changes God's involvement in our lives, thus changing everything. Faith changes everything, friends. So I want to go to Matthew chapter 15, and this is another one of those interesting passages of Scripture. And I've read it and read it and read it again this week. And every time I read it, there's some, it's like, now wait, what, what's this about, Lord? Help me understand a little clearer what, what you're really wanting me to understand with this. So Matthew chapter 15, beginning of verse 21. How many of you know we don't understand all there is to know? Or the more I read God's word, the more I realize I don't know about his nature and the character of God. And, but that drives me to want to know more, Yeah. So in this passage here, the key passage for today's message, Matthew 15, beginning in verse 21, we find these words. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. How many of you find that a little interesting right there? It's like, whoa, what? what? What's that about? Let's continue on. We'll come back to that. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from from their master's table. Now watch this. This is where it gets interesting. Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Say that with me, great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. This is a very intriguing passage of scripture. And in order to truly understand it, we also have to understand something about the day, the culture of the day, and who the Canaanites were, so on and so forth, right? But here's what I want to start out with, and I'll circle back around to that in a few moments. But I want to start out with this thought right here. There are always faith starters. How many of you would say, I need more faith in my life? I like bonfires. Anybody else you like bonfires? Yeah, yeah, now we're talking. I got your attention now. How many of you would prefer to take the long road at starting your fire? You know, kind of like rubbing the sticks together (laughs) until you finally get enough friction? Of course not. Really? Who would do that? We have these little sticks that are called fire starters now. They're saturated with a a, a flammable substance of some sort. Don't ask me exactly what it is, but I know it works. And all I I have to do is just take a lighter and light that stick and throw it in there and voila. Instant bonfire, right? Because I use a fire starter. How many of you are facing things in your life right now that are very challenging? Let me see your hand. What planet are the rest of you living on? (laughs) this world is a challenging place is it not and we all face challenges we all face them that's why we need to understand that we have faith starters we have stories in scripture that can build our faith and teach us how to exercise our faith right now I want to take us back to this passage because I want to point this out here this woman who was crying out to Jesus was crying out in desperation. Friends, desperation is a great fire starter, a great faith starter, isn't it? That we and God, there's something that happens when we get desperate. 
when we get desperate for him, when we cry out to him and we realize that he is truly the source, that he is really all we need, when we get so desperate for God and, 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 and it drives us to this point where we just cry out to him in desperation, I believe we get his attention because what we're doing in that moment is we're exercising our faith. Just like if we wanted to build muscle for our bodies, we have to have resistance, right? Lifting weights or running on a treadmill. Oh, man, anybody in here ever had a stress test before? Oh, Lord, have mercy. You, exactly, right? You know what I'm talking about. You get on that treadmill and they're, they're like, okay. And they tell you what they're going to do to you before they do it. And you're like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. And it's like, okay, and this, and this thing's going to start raising up and you're going to feel like you're running uphill and you're going to feel like quitting, but don't quit. Just keep going. Just keep going. If you have pain, tell us you have pain. You know, they got all these wires and stuff on you in addition, right? Because they're monitoring your heart. And you got, so you got all these wires hanging on you. You got, I mean, you're half dressed. It's, it's very embarrassing. You know, and you're on this thing and they're like, and we're going to push you. And you know, it's like, I'm going I'm to get hot. I might get sick. God only knows what's going to happen here. But you're on the treadmill and all of a sudden the opposition kicks in and it gets quicker and it gets quicker. And then all of a sudden they raise the thing up and you're going, oh dear Lord. And you're huffing and you're, initially it's like, I got this. I got this. This is good. I'm good. I'm doing good. And then they raise that thing up and you're going, why all of a sudden are we running uphill? Right? And you're just, and all of a sudden I'm panting and I'm grabbing onto the bar in front of me and, I'm just, and they're like, keep going, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. And you're like, I don't want to go anymore. I'm done. No, keep going. Push through it, push through it, push through it. Why do they do that? Because they are attempting to get your heart to race at a point that they can examine the condition of your heart. Now, if we take that as an example of our faith journey, Sometimes it takes opposition. And sometimes it may seem like we are running uphill and we're tired and we want to quit. We want to give up. But we hear the Holy Spirit say, just keep pushing through it. Keep going. Why? Because God rewards desperation. He wants us to be desperate for him. He wants us to realize our need for him. Yeah? Isn't that true? We see this in this story with the woman. She is so desperate. She knows that Jesus is able to heal her daughter. She knows that she knows that she knows that. And she is willing to do anything. She is willing to press through, to keep pushing, and to keep believing in spite of the fact that it seems like Jesus isn't even interested in hearing her. And it seems like Jesus might even be trying to hide. You see that? Let me help you understand this. Mark chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. This is the same setting, same occasion, different perspective. It's Mark's perspective. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Um, I don't know what that means to you, but to me it's like Jesus is saying, hey, I want to be left alone, right? Yet, watch this, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. I know this, this might be a stretch for some of us. Some of us might be, but that's out of character for Jesus. Come on. I think there's something here that we're going to find as we proceed with this passage. But initially, it appears like Jesus is like avoiding this woman. Doesn't it seem like that to you? And he's like hiding. I don't, I don't know about you, but there's moments I want to hide. There's moments I don't want to be found, right? There's moments that I want to turn off my phone. Although I'm a pastor and I'm on call 24-7, so I can't. But there's times I want to, right? Because I don't want to be found, right? There's times sometimes 
And I see it. I see it in some of you. I see it in myself sometimes. I'm like, oh, I see that person coming. I think I'm going to go this way. (laughs) Oh, don't tell me you haven't done that. (laughs) I too was at fine arts this week. I have that happen with some of my peers from time to time. Oh, here comes Randy. I I want to talk with him right now. I'm not saying that I haven't been guilty of that too from time to time. We all have those moments where we're like, oh yeah, no. Mm -mm. I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. I don't need their drama. I don't need their... Is that what Jesus is doing? Mm, I don't think so. But we'll see what he's doing here in a few moments, all right? But what I want to do in the meantime is talk about faith and I want to use an arrow as an example of faith. There are three aspects or three parts, if you will, to what faith looks like if we use an arrow as an example. There's the arrowhead, the point, the tip of the arrow. There's the shaft of the arrow, right? And then there's the veins or the, what they call fletching. And that is like, in most of the time, it's like feathers. Now these are plastic because this is a really, really cheesy. See, I'm not really an archer. I'm a, I'm a make-believe archer, so... I didn't buy, I, I got like a toy kit, okay? This isn't the real thing. But um, I didn't want to pay like, you know, lots of money for something that I probably wouldn't use. Um, so I bought something cheap, but it's the thought that counts, right? So we, there's three parts to this. And faith is sort of like all three aspects of what an arrow exists to do. Because in in essence, our faith needs a point. What is the point? Have you ever said that to yourself? What is the point of this? What is the point? And what are we aiming for? What is the goal of this? What are are we shooting for? Get that to yourself. What what is the point? What are we aiming for here? Right? And so we have to know what we're aiming for. Even when it comes to faith, there's this, sometimes I feel like it's more like, okay, okay because we live by faith and not by sight, right? So I feel like we're shooting like this, blindfolded. We know the direction we're supposed to shoot in, but we really don't see the target, trusting that God helps us to aim in the direction that he wants to lead us, right? Now, the shaft is important because the shaft actually supports this arrow. If this shaft isn't strong enough to support this arrow, it flies out of control or it breaks, it snaps, right? Now, it's, it's designed to give, but it's also designed firm to where it can flex, just like our faith. Our faith needs to flex from time to time. Hello? Yes. And, and the fletching is designed uh, to actually cause the arrow to spin as it flies through the air, and it gives stability to the arrow. It's much like a bullet that comes out of out of a gun, out of a rifle. That bullet comes out and it comes out spinning. When, it, when an arrow is shot, the fletching spins and it gives stability. It keeps this thing from flying out of control. We need our faith to be resilient. We need our faith to be aimed in the direction that God wants it to go in. Hello, are you with me? Right? So our faith is much like this arrow. And you've heard me say that there are different aspects of faith. There's belief, there's trust, there is persuasion, right? All of these things make up faith. So what we see here in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, these words, wherever they're at, boom, there they are. See, that that was faith right there. Do you all see that? And it took more than once, but it came up all of a sudden. That was faith, right? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, he who seeks, and to him who knocks, you believe that? Faith is not in that passage. You see the word faith in there. But how many of you believe that it takes faith to practice that passage? takes a belief in him to ask, right? It takes a trust in his word and what he says to be true to seek him, to take him at his word and to seek him out. And it takes persuasion and a persistence to say, I know that God has said this, therefore that settles it. I'm going to believe it and I'm going to put it into practice even if I have to wait on it. 
right? Because that's what faith does, friends. This woman does in physical form what Jesus teaches his followers to do, spiritually speaking. To this woman, finding Jesus was the first step, but believing in him and expressing her desperation was that faith starter that got all of this going, right? So what, what are you, what are you struggling with? What are you facing in your life that you need this morning? You need to say, Lord, I'm desperate for this and I'm going to activate my faith. I'm going to activate my faith. How many of you know you got to activate it, Amen. right? I remember years ago before I was in ministry, I was going to school through distance education and I, I would advise not to do that. That's the hard way to go. It's much easier when you're living on campus and they tell you to show up for class and they, they tell you what to study. When you're studying at home, it's challenging. If you've done that before, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm studying for ministry. I'm, I'm doing distance education through North Central Bible College at the time, now it's university. But anyway, I'm working for this x-ray company and we had to make, the, we had to make like 200 gallons of a solution that they call developer. Now back in the day, you used to have to use chemical to develop the film, now it's all digital, okay? But back then we used to have to mix like 200 gallons of this chemical at a time. 55 gallon drums of chemical we would pour in, then we, we would add the water, then we would add, watch this, we would add activator. And until we added the activator to that chemical, that chemical could, would not even work, it wouldn't even function, it wouldn't do its job. Much like faith. faith, we have to activate faith in order for faith to work. It's not enough that we believe. We have to activate the faith, right? We have to live it out. We have to believe it. We have to step these things out. We have to get involved with our hands. We have to walk it out, right? Hello? Hello? Is anybody there? Okay. <laughs> Hello? So this woman starts her faith journey by trusting in Jesus, right? Sorry, I'm having a little trouble with this today. Is that okay? Can you hear me okay? So no matter what we're facing today, the first step to get things started, desperation. Just get desperate for God, right? We sang a few moments ago that song, Waymaker. He is our waymaker, church. He is our rebuilder. He's our restorer. He's our provider. He's our comforter. He's our savior. Here's the second thought that I want to convey to you. Here it is. Your failures don't determine your faith. Now, that's kind of looking at it from the negative side. If you want to look at it from the positive side, you can say that his faithfulness determines your faith, should determine your faith, yeah? Not our failures, but his faithfulness in other words, we, we are rooted and grounded in believing what we believe because he has shown himself faithful in our lives. Rooted and grounded in him. Our faith is not just happenstance. In other words, we're not just shooting towards a target that doesn't exist. Even though at times we can't see what we're shooting at or where we're going to, he is guiding us and we trust that he's guiding us because he is a faithful God and he is trustworthy, right church? He's trustworthy. Your failures don't determine your faith. You know, this woman's background, she was kind of shady. She was with the wrong crowd. She was a Canaanite after all. The Jews did not associate or socialize with a Canaanite. In other words, as we would use in our vernacular today, she was from the wrong side of the tracks. And not only was she a Canaanite, but she was from Tyre and Sidon, whose reputation was not good at all. I mean, Tyre and Sidon were traditionally pagan territories. So did that play into this, this whole scenario? You bet it did. We find this in Matthew chapter 11, verses 21 and 22. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. This is a way of Jesus saying, look, as bad as they are, they believe. 
You may be thinking, but I'm struggling to believe God for this. Guess what? You're in good company. At times, we all struggle to believe God for certain things in our lives, or we struggle to believe God for other people. Yeah? Hello? I mean, she was an unlikely candidate to come to the Lord and, and ask him for anything, but she didn't let that stop her. She pursued him with this desperation. I'm, I'm kind of cutting and pasting on the fly here because I'm looking at the clock, so bear with me just a second here. And just pray, Jesus, touch him, help him. Bless his heart, Lord. What I'm trying to say is this. Don't count yourself out to the miracle that Jesus wants to bring into your life because it hasn't quickly materialized. And that leads me to point three. Barriers will strengthen your faith. Opposition, in other words. Obstacles that sometimes are in our way. And we have to press through those obstacles. Have you ever felt like God was ignoring you? Oh, I, I, I can't answer that. Come on, really? We all have felt times like our prayers were like pinging off the ceiling. No? Should that stop us from praying? Absolutely not. Pastor, you don't understand. I have been praying for my prodigal son, my prodigal daughter. I've been praying about my physical condition. I've been praying and you fill in the blank. I've been praying and you fill in the blank for whatever it is you've been praying for for a long time. Let me tell you something. You may be one prayer away from an answer. People come to me and they're like, Pastor, I just, I, I can't go on. I can't, I can't, I've been praying for this for so long and I'm not seeing it. You know what I say? Keep praying. Believing. Because you don't know, you might be one prayer away from that prayer being answered. I can't tell you how many times I thought, you know, this is it, I'm giving up. I'm not gonna pray for this. I'm not gonna pray for this anymore. I'm not gonna pray for that anymore. I'm done praying for that. I'm gonna move on and I'm gonna start praying for something else. Come on, let's be honest. Have you ever been there before? that the Lord said, no, don't you dare give up. You keep praying for this. You'll see. You'll see my hand at work. And it's that desperation and it's that persistence to push through the barriers, to push through, to, to, to leap over the obstacles that stand in our way, church. We got to press through it. We got to believe just like this woman did. Don't let God's silence stop you even if it seems like he's playing hard to get. <laughs> did with me when I met her. She's, she left the room, so I'm going to talk about her. Oh, I see how you are. I'm going to be nice. I'm not going to say anything, but she played a little hard to get initially. Do you know what? I'm actually glad that she played hard to get. Because you know what that did for me? I'm like, oh, get, oh, yeah. All of a sudden, the determination was there, right? So desperation and determination really go hand in hand, don't they? Right? Don't let God's silence stop you. Pursue him, even if he hasn't answered that prayer. Even if you don't see any progress whatsoever, keep pushing through, keep overcoming the barriers, keep leaping over the obstacles as if they're hurdles. Just keep moving, friends. Keep moving. It felt like God was saying no. Story. Like God was saying, yeah, yeah. And, and to make matters worse, the disciples were like, hey, can, can, you, can you get rid of her? She's really starting to bother us. I, don't, I mean, that's how I read it. The disciples were kind of like, really? Enough of her. Jesus, can you tell her to leave? This is crazy. This is starting to get annoying. But you know what? The woman persisted even in the face of that opposition. Now, here's what I want to say about this. Jesus knew what he was doing all along. Jesus knew he was going to answer her prayer. 
is the God man, right? He knew he was gonna answer her prayer. He knew that she was gonna get so desperate that finally he was going to do what she was asking him to do. He knew that all along. But he was using this to teach the disciples a very valuable lesson. Okay, you should never have prejudice against anyone. Isn't that a lesson that he taught them in this? I mean, they were like, hey, Jesus, really, can you get rid of her? This is, this is, she's annoying. And Jesus, he's like, say anything. <laughs> but he demonstrated it, right? He demonstrated it by what he did. He responded to that need. Can you imagine what the disciples, the look on the disciples' face when Jesus actually granted this woman her request? They were probably like, are you kidding me right now? She's a Canaanite, really? We should have got rid of her tent. I don't think that was the case. I think their eyes were wide open and they're like, whoa, something just happened. Something just changed. Jesus bridged the culture all of a sudden. He, he wiped that all out all of a sudden. And he said, you know what? What matters most is not where this woman came from. And he's saying that to you today. What matters most is not where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is that you come to Jesus in desperation and in determination. And you say, I need your help, Lord. And if I don't get your help, I'm finished. I'm finished. It's lights out. I'm going under. What happens if we get to that point where that, we're that desperate? We're that determined? And challenge for you, if you were 100% guaranteed that the miracle that Jesus promised you was going to come to fruition, wouldn't you just keep pushing through the barriers that present themselves time and time again? I'm 100% guaranteed. It's a 100% guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> you know the commercials they came on and they're like and this is guaranteed and I go yeah right <laughs> the first time I use it it's probably going to blow up or break right oh wait there's more right and it's like the, the, the commercial that gets me today is the glue commercial where the, it's like just one drop and they pick up like tons and I'm going mm-mm no I can have all the faith in the world, but I'm not believing that right there at all, right? Or this guy that sells this stuff that seals everything, you know, flexible seal. And I'm like, yeah, no, mm -mm. I'm not buying that. Friends, let me tell you something. This is 100% guaranteed, 100% guaranteed. And I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just trying to convince you of what is. This is 100% guaranteed. That means that we can say, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what it feels like, it's just like the song we sang earlier, right? Doesn't matter what I see, doesn't matter what I feel, because all things are possible through him, right? And he proves himself over and over and over again. It's 100% guaranteed. 100%, 100% guaranteed. So we can trust God for what we don't see happening, right? Just don't give up. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. Keep believing, right? It says this in 1 Peter 1.7, and I'm almost done, so bear with me. A few more minutes. Can you hang with me a few more minutes? How many of you want me just to stop right now on that? No, I didn't. I'm not going to ask that question. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, yeah, I'm, I'm hangry right now, Pastor. 1 Peter 1.7 says, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, did you catch that part? May result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. This tells me that our faith sometimes will go through the furnace of life. will be refined. But when it's refined, it's pure faith. Yeah? It's like gold that's refined. And when gold is heated, the impurities rise to the surface, the dross, they take care of the dross, and it's left there. Pure gold is left there, right? And that's what this passage is really speaking to as it relates to our faith. Sometimes what we go through, the opposition we go through, is purifying our faith, yeah? All right, one more point here. Extraordinary faith will precede your miracle. Extraordinary faith will precede 
your miracle. So, okay, Pastor, are you telling me that it's all about what I believe? No, what I'm telling you is it's all about the faith that we're talking about. What I'm telling you is that all you need is a tiny little bit of faith, a great big God. We have to exercise our faith. It doesn't say that you and I have to believe this great, no. It says that we have to believe in a great God. Hello? Matter of fact, on my dresser at home, I have a mustard seed, a tiny little mustard seed. That mustard seed is so small, it's been set in a stone. And the stone actually has the word faith on the stone. And that stone is in a plastic container. (laughs) And that plastic container is so I don't lose it, right? So, but even then, I misplace that thing from time to time. Uh, Just go with me here a minute, right? Because the faith is set in a stone that's set in a container so that I don't lose it, right? Right where it's at. And every once in a while, I gotta get that thing out and I have to be reminded of the words of Jesus, the words that speak about a mustard seed of faith. Matter of fact, I think we have that passage of scripture that I can go to real quick here. It says this in Matthew 17, 20. If you have faith as small as a you couldn't even see it if I was holding it right now. Matter of fact, just put your fingers together like that, just like that. That's how you would hold a mustard seed. And if you drop it, good luck trying to find it, right? But that tells us that all the faith we really need is this much faith. This much faith in a big God. See, it's not about how much faith we have. It's the concentration of our faith. Who is our faith in? Is it in me? Is it in what I can muster up to believe? I don't think so. It's who I believe in. It's who I belong to. See, we have a problem in the church when we start saying, yeah, but you don't have enough faith. No, that's not the right way to look at it. The right way to look at it is where is your faith placed? Who is it anchored in? Hello? Because this verse tells me that all we need is a minuscule amount of faith. God who can do the impossible. Just a tiny little bit. All you need is just enough to get going, enough to get you started. And if you plant that seed in the ground, if you were to plant a mustard seed, what happens? A tiny little seed turns into this gigantic plant that flowers. You go, how did this become that? Because you put it in the ground. It's rooted and grounded. In this case, faith is rooted and grounded in a person. It's rooted and grounded in him. It's rooted and grounded in his character. It's rooted and grounded in his word, right? So extraordinary faith will precede your miracle, but it may start out with just this little bit of belief. And a huge God can take a difficult situation, flip it, turn it around, turn it. Turn it inside out, right? This woman's bold response breaks through all the barriers. And she activated that faith, even though she felt, she had to have felt like, oh man, they, do, they don't want me around. I'm getting this. I'm, getting, I'm feeling this from the disciples and I'm not really getting anything from Jesus, but I'm desperate. Would you please heal my daughter? Isn't that what she says? And what happens? Something happens in that moment. Jesus says, what? Your faith. Your faith. And he affirms her for her faith. He says, your faith is great. Your faith is great. Why? Because she's persistent for one, but it's because she believes in his potential. Yeah. She doesn't believe in her own potential. Who knows? She's probably been everywhere to try to get help for her daughter. But she persists in going to Jesus over and over again and saying, I need your help. If I don't get your help, there's no other place to turn. There's no other place to go. Would you please heal my daughter? That tells me that we need to have that same kind of persistence. We need to shoot that arrow of faith and strike the ground and believe God for the impossible. Yeah? Stand with me, if you will, if you believe that. You may be here this morning and you're saying, but you don't understand my circumstances. You know what? I may not. I may not. 
because you're going through what you're going through. You may not know, know and understand what I'm going through. But what matters is that you are activating your faith today, putting your faith in a God who is greater. Some of you, you got, you've, got a, you've gotten a recent diagnosis and you may have to come to terms with the fact that try as you may, you can't change that diagnosis. It is what it is. But let me tell you something. God may be saying to you, but I'm your healer, right? Some of you are like, but I am dealing with so much anxiety, pastor, you don't understand. And I get it, you may be, but I'm telling you that he is the prince of peace. He is your counselor, is the one that you can cast that anxiety onto, right? You may be saying, my marriage is done, it's over. And it may look that way, but God is saying, I can restore broken relationships, right church? You may be looking at your budget and you may be saying, there is more money going out. Or let me say it the way a friend of mine says it. We got more month than we got money. <laughs> and I feel that way sometimes. Believe it or not, we as a church feel that way sometimes. Because sometimes the money just isn't there. And we go, what happened? The bottom just dropped out. Sometimes these things happen. Who do we believe in? Who are we, we going to put our confidence in? Who are we going to activate our faith in? in? In, It's in him, right? It's in him. So we need to call out to him with regardless of whatever the situation is. It's that small amount of faith that's needed to get things started. So Lord, we come to you right now and we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would meet us where we are. You know each and every situation in this room right now. You know the desperation with which we've been crying out to you. Lord, I pray that you give us persistence, persistence to keep moving forward. Strike the ground to not give up. Lord, I've said all I can say, probably more than I should have. But I'm trusting you to take it from here. Trusting you to do what I can't do. We're tired. We live in a world that is challenging, to say the least. We need your strength. We live in a world where there's so many distractions. We need your focus. We live in a world where people just call it quits and they take their own lives. We need to see our value in you. We live in a world where it's easy just to check out. You know what? It's getting too hard. I think I I just got to look for greener pastures. And you're telling us to water the pasture that we're in. Father, I pray you speak to us individually in this moment, that you encourage, that you give that tiny little seed for us to hold on to. Fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. The perfecter of our faith. We trust you for that, Jesus. May you lead us from this place victorious today as we shoot that arrow and strike the ground saying we are victorious in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Have a wonderful day. God bless you.